We may start out with 50 auditions. When we go through, we'll weed out the garbage. In other words, weed out the trash, bad quality, echoing, reverb, terrible recording. You can tell they recorded on on a handheld mic or those popping up bees. All that quality is wrong stuff is weeded out. Then we get down to, let's say, the 30. Those 30, we weed down to basically 20 because now those are being judged on the direction given in the project. And if they paid attention to direction, detail, the script, et cetera, then we'll weed it down to basically the 10. And those 10, we listen to over and over and over, sometimes 20, 30 times. Welcome, everybody, to today's episode of Mission Audition. Thank you for joining us. If you guys have listened to the podcast here before, uh, you know myself. I am one of the co-hosts here, Kyle Flynn, Platinum Account Manager. And as always, I am joined with my co-host today. Vanessa Bucci, Community Manager here at Voices. We are so excited for today's episode. Uh, Share with you guys uh, some real-world auditions uh, that were garnered through the platform. Uh, and we're going to be critiquing those with our expert here today. So without any further ado, let's go ahead and introduce our guest. Joining us here today, we welcome Anthony Reese. After a lifetime of working in voiceover, broadcasting, animation, gaming, production, music, media, and entertainment, the bio of voiceover coach Anthony Reese is vast, to say the least. Anthony has literally been there, done that, and then some. Welcome, Anthony. Thank you very much. Appreciate that introduction. How are you guys doing? Hey, very excited to have you. We appreciate you taking the time to come on here today, um, you know, share your expertise with us and the community. Uh, so thank you very much. You're welcome. I'd always love to pay it forward. Awesome. Awesome. Well, to talk about today's job, this is a job for an audiobook publisher. It's a reading piece of a nonfiction that will be published as an audiobook, as mentioned. The script is an excerpt from a nonfiction uh, science text. You are a narrator, um, so please read in a serious but entertaining tone, in a bright and engaging way. We do want to pull those listener ears in, um, but we do also want to make sure that we are being informative and engaging with our audience. So with that, uh, let's go ahead, start listening to some auditions and uh, getting a good feel for uh, you know, who's a contender for winning at this job and, uh, you know, who may need a little bit of polishing to their reads. Like many other philosophers who significantly extended our knowledge of nature, Galileo had a remarkable aptitude for inventing instruments designed for philosophical research. To facilitate his practical work, we find that in 1599, he had engaged a skilled workman to live in his house and be constantly at hand to try the devices that were forever springing from Galileo's fertile brain. What do you think, Anthony? Well, uh, first of all, I think that ultimately the, um, the concept is not to uh, try to judge anybody. So uh, as you guys all know, listening, that um, opinions are like, you know what, we'll have mm-hmm. one. But the reality is uh, there are good constructive things that we want to share. So with that said, um, these opinions aren't necessarily uh, trying to insult anybody. So let me make sure I'm very clear. I'm trying to be very constructive as we all are here. For sure, Um, definitely. I felt the read was a little bit too quick. Um, I felt that uh, the sentences were run on. Uh, Everything kind of rambled on uh, one after another after another. There was no 
time of the rest stops, so to say, uh, everything kind of ran on, we call it run on sentences. Um, I felt that there wasn't enough believability uh, they keep talking about in the instruction, the engaging point of it. So I felt that there wasn't enough uh, believability in the read. And I also felt that there could be room for enhancing the dynamics of the actual verbiage. Um, so working on slowing down the read, uh, working on not having such run on sentences and uh, being a little bit more believability, a little more honest, a little more conversational, yet professional, serious, um, without sounding necessarily phony. Uh, that's what believability means. And then adding some dynamics so that uh, the words pop a little more in specific what we call keywords or hot points in the old school language. So that's kind of my feedback on the overall read. I think you bring up uh, an, an interesting thing that I think many of us deal with, uh, you know, in regards to public speaking or obviously voiceover, when you start to feel that, you know, little sense of nerve, typically we start to speed. And I think that's something that a lot of voice actors do struggle with, especially in the world of conversational and believable, because a lot of us do speak quickly. So there is that separation between what conversational is and, you know, being completely leisurely. Like, there is that balance, right? And I think speed is a big hot topic in that whole area. Um, is there an exercise that you typically do with your students if you find someone is, you know, speeding through a script or say the opposite end, maybe they're too slow? What exercises do you typically run with you students? You know, it's really good and it's a great observation. Well said. Uh, you know, a lot of people that I work with feel like they're caffeine out of their mind. And they get on the mic and they get on stage. Even musicians get up there and kind of go crazy. And if it wasn't for the timing of the backbeat, so to say, of the drummer, we'd all be going like Speedy Gonzalez on stage. Yeah. Yeah. In the voiceover world, it's kind of like put down the monster drinks and the rock and the Red Bulls and all that. And don't, try not to go in the booth with too much caffeine in your system, uh, too much coffee, uh, too much uh, sodas. Try to go in the booth drinking water and allow your body to basically not have that jitter that is naturally to be expected. I just tell my students to basically slow down. You know, the old <laughs> saying, slow down, you move too fast. You know, yeah, you're not in a race, right? Taking a breath exhaling, slowing down your pulse and allowing yourself to read a little bit slower. Remember one thing on that point, the consumer has to stay with you in your, in your coattail. They can't fall behind you to where you're like a drag show you pull away. They got to stay with you in order for them to stay with you. Like somebody following somebody on the highway, the interstate, if you pass a light, they get, they get the light. Yeah. Then you're how many feet, hundreds of miles ahead of them. So I'm a believer in teaching my students and my talent, slow down, allow yourself to take advantage of what I call the rest stops or the stop signs, allow the consumer to have an opportunity to stay with you and don't ramble on, so to so, use the old Bob Seger song. So that's kind of my feedback on that. But I, there's really no exercise per se other than just practice on reading uh, and your timing, your tempo. One thought is get yourself an app on your phone and a metrodome. Allow yourself to download a metrodome. I got a Good post idea. on LinkedIn or wherever in, at VO 101 in the previous area that talks about practicing voice delivery and narrative delivery to a metrodome. You can increase the tempo and decrease it and allow yourself to learn how to read at different tempos, which are tempos and paces. So, Okay, great. great. Thanks so much for that, Anthony. Um, okay, we're going to jump to the next audition here. 
Like many other philosophers who significantly extended our knowledge of nature, Galileo had a remarkable aptitude for inventing instruments designed for philosophical research. To facilitate his practical work, we find that, in 1599, he had engaged a skilled workman to live in his house and be constantly at hand to try the devices that were forever spinning from Galileo's fertile brain. Alrighty, Anthony. Uh, let's, let's have you lead us off here. Uh, what are your initial takes from this audition? Kind of the same thing in a way um, that we ran in the prior um, sample. A uh, little bit in a hurry, a little bit quick, a little bit fast, lacking that engaging again, that engagement they're looking for, um, a rambling pace, kind of similar to the what we talked about a few minutes ago. Um, I kind of felt like that audition was just kind of going through the motions. Um, you know, uh, it's a matter of basically allowing yourself to engage the consumer so that you sound like you're enthused and have an excitement, but yet not rambling or speedy Gonzalez so we could talk about. I just felt like that ring felt like they were kind of just going through the paces. They were going right. through the motions. They didn't really come across like they um, were basically allowing themselves to, again, take the time allow the consumer to have time to retain the information they're sharing. And overall, again, we talked about it. It's we've all done it. We've all been there. I mean, come right. on, you know, we're always in a hurry. We got that whole fast food mentality as, you know, as we are consumers and we want that burger. Now I'm tired <laughs> of waiting. It's been 30 seconds. Where's my cheeseburger? The reality is that's kind of what happens again. So I think if that uh, talent had slowed down, was a little bit more engaging and didn't ramble on as much, just like the one before, um, and wasn't necessarily coming across like they're kind of just going through the motions. Right. We, you got to sound like you care. You got to sound like you're believable. You got to sound like you are sincere about what you're reading. And the business, unfortunately, we fall into a rip and read mentality. In other words, we fall into kind of a, 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 a of a um, crutch of basically just. It's, it's, it's quantity of auditions, not quality. And the reality is, it's kind of like going to casino instead of playing quality spins worth value. We ramble on and bang, 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 hit the button as fast as we can. So that's kind of what I felt that that could have been slowed down, more engaging, and a little bit more, um, I don't want to call, what I want to call it, I guess a little bit more of a, I care. Does, I yeah. really believe in and care what I'm talking about. It kind of felt like it was just kind of a run on, let me get through this as quick as I can kind of feel. So that's kind of my take on it. Hopefully there's you, constructive uh, thoughts. Do there. you particularly feel, and, and immediately I kind of think of this, in, you know, when looking at a voiceover script, I feel like it almost highlights um, the importance and uh, the impact that a simple piece of punctuation can hold. Uh, you know, allowing that breath, allowing that time and allowing that word to breathe and, and, you know, kind of hit, uh, the brain of the consumer, you know, holds a lot of power. Do you find that, you know, that's something that maybe has skipped over? Absolutely. You know, and that's again, uh, exactly what my point is. My point is pay attention to that, the punctuation, pay attention to timing, pay attention to your enthusiasm that we call engaging, if you will, pay attention that you're not just rambling on. And the reality is there are, I call golden in their words. If you look at the script, the script kind of helps guide you like a roadmap does. 
uh, the old school map uh, on an old day map. Um, it kind of takes you with it and allows you to pay attention to markup of the script as we talked about with the Vox talk, um, Stephanie just did. Uh, the idea is mark up your script, pay attention to the script. And when you pay attention to the script, you got an idea of where you're going, what you're trying to do. And like you said, pay attention to the commas, the pauses, the stop signs, uh, find words that you want to longer rest stop at, where you want to add an additional stall. A lot of people read what's written and they don't keep in mind that it may be written for the reader. It's not necessarily written for the, the voice talent. And you got to allow yourself to have that artistic freedom as a voice talent to add natural stalls or pauses or beats in your read and that allows that realistic conversational flow and then i conceive that as a consumer of it that you care so yeah hopefully you know they, there's good food for thought here for sure definitely totally agree the one thing i'm happy to see i mean early on two auditions i feel like the audio has been great though which is normally you know can be a big a big crutch of you know people falling through do you feel like the audio has been, been very strong in in both those auditions yeah, I think the pretty the recording sounded pretty good, or I would have, I would have made a mental note of it. Um, I didn't hear anything with regards to the levels being weird. I didn't hear any noises, sounds, beeps, burps, popping of bees, and all the stuff that typically an amateur or beginner red flags, if you will. Uh, right. Part of being a professional sure. is exactly that: recording at a consistent quality level. Using good mic technique is a key. Uh, working the mic properly, and more importantly. If all of the above is done right, the recording levels, the delivery, the sound, everything's good, you're already going to be at that point seen as a professional. Then the consumer or the casting director is going to believe everything you do after that. They're going to base your audition strictly on the quality of the read, not the quality of the sound. If you have bad sound, bad levels, and bad whatever have you, junk we call it, then you're already disqualified for the most part. So it starts yeah. with good quality sound, good interpretation, good rhythm, good movement, good everything. After that, that you can get trained on uh, with a really good training coach out there. Yep, definitely. Could not agree more. All right, let's jump to our next audition here. Like many other philosophers who significantly extended our knowledge of nature, Galileo had a remarkable aptitude for inventing instruments designed for philosophical research. To facilitate his practical work, we find that in 1599, he had engaged a skilled woman to live in his house and be constantly at hand to try the devices that were forever springing from Galileo's fertile brain. All right, what are your thoughts on this one, Anthony? You know, it's kind of funny that if, uh, just now you were talking about the quality and the recording right. levels, and ironically, uh, up pops this one randomly we selected. Um, you know, I felt that the quality was very tinty. Uh, it didn't have a full uh, field of reference, if you will. The microphone seemed like either the talent was talking into the top, like it was a top mount uh, shot, if you will. It wasn't. They weren't talking directly into it. Believe it or not, um, I've had professionals that I've, I've coached that are like, I don't know what's going on. I've been out there for years, and I don't know what the heck. And I take a look at their uh, the rig. And believe it or not, they're talking into a top of the mic instead of sideways, or the mic is below them and they're reading above the mic. And so the voiceover is going right over the top of the mic, or they have just the opposite. They're booming their mic and they're looking down at their script on the monitor and they're looking down from the mic. You got to talk right into the mic and be in an intimate recording area 
you got to be able to record right into that sweet spot that we call the via, the 90-degree wedge, that field in front of the mic, the logo of the mic, you want to talk right into it. If you're working in a booth where you can afford to stand back a few feet, and because you have a really good soundproof, insulated environment, that's a different story. But when you're working intimately, like most voice talent do in their closet or whatever have you, you have to work the mic well. And that came across to me like it was a little bit, not terrible quality, but by comparison, if you put it side by side with a bunch of other recordings, you're going to hear, and whoever you are, if that's your recording, feel free to go out and listen to others and then listen to your recording comparably. And you're going to find that it wasn't as thick and bassy and full and there wasn't much reference. It sounded kind right. of tinty. Also, the recording level was a little bit low. I felt that the recording levels, I think around, it looks maybe minus 12, maybe a little bit below that. You want to peak at about minus three, minus six, stay in that area so that you are in the current broadcast recording level. The old school used to be minus 12 or minus whatever, 18 or whatever down there. And there was a broadcast norm back in the day. But the reality is you want to stay within that recording area and be consistent across your entire read. Last but not least, um, I felt that there was a few, not many, but a couple enunciation issues. The word is constantly, not constantly, not constantly, with an S, constantly. You got to hit that T. In order to hit yep. that T, you have to feel the tongue hit the teeth constantly. And enunciation, uh, which I train at VO1 quite a bit about, um, <laughs> is a big deal. Uh, you'd be surprised how many voice talent and how many times that I've been in a recording session over my career where I've got to hear what goes on behind the scenes when the talent leaves and the client sitting in there and everybody's drinking a bourbon. It's seven o'clock at night hanging out. And they go, man, that guy sounded like he was like, what? Can't this talent cleanly read? What's the upper I slurred? <laughs> Reality is very few talent take into consideration the need for good quality enunciation. Articulation, all the above, dynamics are one thing. But enunciating words, picture instead of pick with a P-I-C, picture. Uh, right. Tomorrow instead of tomorrow. Today instead of today. These are small things that you can get away with in a small pond. But as a big fish competing on a national scale, they're not going to put a $100,000 contract uh, with you getting paid thousands of dollars for Harvard or a, some massive Ivy League product and online education or a corporate entity or a finance brokerage firm if you can't even enunciate and pronounce words properly. So food so for thought true. on that, I'm a big stickler about uh, doing practice what you're doing the game, my old man used to tell me when I played <laughs> ball back in the day. And the reality is enunciation is one of the things that talent need to pay more attention to constantly, not constantly. It's one of those little sleeping, uh, you know, sleeping little details that can get skated over so easily, right? Right. Um, you know, and and something that you might not even, uh, you know, as as yourself listening back, might not even pick up on. But I think it is, like you said, worth highlighting, keeping forefront in your uh, brain, uh, you know, to make sure that, you know, as a voiceover, we are, you know, expected to kind of hit those, you know, absolutely. Hit those to Not only are they expected, but in, in an audition environment, which at Voices.com, especially, a lot of it is, unless you're hired directly, if you're auditioning, 
you may not get a callback or shortlisted or another shot at it because of that small little, well, she or he was much cleaner than this guy or this girl. And people don't take, take that into consideration. They don't think about it. And the problem is they don't put on their uh, objective hat. They don't walk away from their audition for five minutes, come back in, walk the dog, run the store, hit McDonald's <laughs> and come back in exactly. <laughs> and then listen to themselves objectively and go, how the heck did I miss that? And they need to re-listen to their audition with fresh ears. If not, like we say in the hills, uh, snowboarding up here, uh, the reality is um, you get snowblinded. And the reality is our ears get burned out after a while. So yeah, there's definitely something to be said about what we just mentioned. Perfect. Thank you so much for your insight on that. That's some great critique on that one. Um, okay, let's get into our next one. Like many other philosophers who significantly extended our knowledge of nature, Galileo had a remarkable aptitude for inventing instruments designed for philosophical research. To facilitate his practical work, we find that in 1599, he had engaged a skill workman to live in his house and be constantly at hand to try devices that were forever springing from Galileo's fertile brain. What's the first thing that comes into mind for that one, Anthony? You know, it's funny. People are probably going to think, what is that guy out of his mind? It's the same thing. Same old <laughs> song and dance. The, re <laughs> the reality is, uh, again, I happen to know this talent. And um, uh, again, it's that it's just too quick. It's too fast. It's just, it's just like Speedy Gonzalez syndrome. It's just too fast. From a standpoint of the consumer doesn't have time to stay in your shadow. Uh, you're pulling away and they are literally falling further and further behind. In order for you to retain them and keep them locked in, we have mm. to create uh, that rhythm and the cadence. But at the same time, we have to create basically an environment where they can stay with us. You know, when I talk to a lot of my lecturers and uh, keynote speakers and authors that go out on book tours and stuff and uh, tell them how to engage your audience, work the stage and all that. The reality is um, if you've got a room full of people's faces lit up with the phone, you've lost them. If you've got a room full of people who are phone is facing you and you want them over. And the way the key to that is exactly what we're talking about here. Allow them time to stay with you and get into the conversation with you and feel what you're saying. If you're rambling on, you're too quick, like that read was a little bit too fast. You're going to basically just blow through and you're going to pull away and they're going to fall behind and not to pay attention. I felt that it was a little bit musically alive too. Um, they wanted to be engaging and they wanted to be bright and they wanted it to be kind of leaning towards the series, which is I kind of think it's a contrasting input. Talk about confusing the talent sometimes. But the reality is it was a little bit musically or sing-songy, I call it. It had a little bit too much going on. Uh, when I coach talent, when my color lesson that I work with talent on, uh, I teach them the concept of yellow. And the yellow color is an animated or a non-animate use of the yellow color, like a, when we build a soundscape. Yellow is musically alive. It allows us the freedom to use the entire vocal register, lower, middle, upper, and go all over the place. And the reality is it had a little bit, I felt too much sing-songy musicalness going on. I understood what the talent was trying to do, but there is a time where less is more. And this is one of those cases where in this particular project, it would be a little bit more sustained within a step, two-step you know, three-step area of the a musical scale without going all over the place, up and down too quick. So that comes to being sing-songy. Um, overall, though, again, 
I heard a few of the same kind of enunciation problems. Right. Yep. And again, on the word constantly, it's constantly. And I heard constantly. And if you go back and whoever you are and listen to your audition, you're going to hear it too. Yeah, that was only a small 15, 20 second bite. But the, the, the prospect to be is think of it themselves. If this is going to potentially be a several hour and or 45 minute documentary or a 15, 20 minute narrative read, they're going to think to themselves, well, how many more enunciations is there we're going to have to recut and fix? And then it becomes Patchwork City eventually if there's too many recuts. So again, there's gold in this. So hopefully this is valuable to somebody out there. Yeah, I have a quick question as someone who's like like fairly new to voiceover. Why do you think that, you know, demos such as this one are so fast? Like why is why are they in a rush to read the script? Can you, you mean kind an of audition? Give me some, an audition, sorry. Yeah, that would no, be that's all right. Yeah. You know, I think it just comes down to uh like I've mentioned earlier, uh it's just in a lot of people. Um, I don't want to say a lot, but a, a majority of talent yep. that I work with, I review auditions all the time, as well as hold a pre-audition session with somebody before they submit the audition. And I also work with people post-audition to give them feedback on a week's worth of auditions. And so we can go through and figure out what they can learn from it. So the next week's auditions, uh, they yeah. can hopefully improve. And what I find is just that whole the jitter thing we talked about, people just See it as a, I got to hurry up and be the first one at the party. They don't understand that there's a certain strategic, I call it a strategic, you know, let's put it this way. I don't know if you've ever saw um, the Night at Roxbury, but you know how they're like, always stand up front. You, so, so, they're always stand up front. Yeah. And they want to be invited to the club and they're never invited in. They always feel like, uh, right? Well, that's kind of what I think is everybody is afraid of is a lot of talent are afraid of being last in line, of not being the first to show up. Well, the reality is, I don't know about you, but I've been to a few weddings and parties and whatever and red carpet openings in my lifetime. You don't want to be the first. You right. want to make sure the paparazzi's there. You want to make sure the audience is there, the fans are there, that Brad Pitt has made his entrance, that uh, all the big wigs <laughs> are. Then you look like somebody when you're strategically, people may not know this, but Hollywood agents, Actually, if you look, if you go to red carpet openings anywhere, all right, or red carpet uh, Oscars and all these, there are limos lined up in alleys for blocks, lined up. And wow. the reason is the walkie-talkie is going to go off, say, okay, bring them around. And that's when they want to make their entrance. They're waiting for a certain timing. And the reality is there's a strategy to that. So coming back to what you asked about, I tell people, don't be so in a hurry and rip and read your read to be the first, fourth, fifth auditioner. Yes, there's something about making the audition, but I tell people, oh, oh go for about the 25% mark. If the audition is due by tomorrow at four, then you want to send it for sure by the end of the day. If the audition is due in two days, then send it late morning tomorrow. Don't yeah. wait too long because they could kill the project and you can miss the boat. But at the same time, don't be the first. And a lot of times the reason that talent do deliver quick reads and the reason that the talent do deliver what is sounds like a steroided out monster caffeine, other mind reads, even though I'm exaggerating, is they are trying to hurry up and they want to be the first to submit the first five. You don't want to be the first five or 10. The reality yeah, is sure. 
the first, yeah, the first five or 10, and I can tell you having cast it been around it for 30 something years, sometimes my clients, they really don't know what they want until they have a couple of guinea pigs show up. Then once the first dozen auditioners come in, they start to go, you know, no, not here. That's kind of not what we want. But this is the 18th, right. 20th one in. The first dozen set the precedent. I was about to say and set the, bench, the there benchmark. There is something to be said about being the first in the party. You don't want to show up and the door hasn't opened the <laughs> wedding. Yeah, So true. I wouldn't for sure. <laughs> That's a, that's a great insight there. And uh, so let's go ahead and play the next audition. Like many other philosophers who significantly extended our knowledge of nature, Galileo had a remarkable aptitude for inventing instruments designed for philosophical research. To facilitate his practical work, we find that in 1599, he had engaged a skilled workman to live in his house and be constantly at hand to try the devices that were forever springing from Galileo's fertile brain. So, as we were just speaking about quicker pacing and so forth, we stumble upon this audition. I'd love to hear your thoughts, and uh, let's hop in. You know, actually, I felt pretty good, actually. Um... Uh, I would definitely, if I was doing the casting for a project, um, this talent would have made my shortlist for sure. I felt that it was very warm. We're talking about gauging. I felt that it was very warm. There was a warmth about a uh, particular ring. I felt the voice had a certain amount of silkiness to it. Uh, we call it smokiness or texturing in the texturing part of what we do. Uh, she had a very silky sound. And that silkiness, that warmth, is exactly what engaging means. There's a certain amount of resin in the voice too that really came, that creates that warmth and that silkiness. I felt that it was a very bold ream. It had a certain amount of uh, depth to it. Uh, it was, listen to me, it's what it was doing. It was saying to you, I'm not asking to you, I'm telling you to listen to me with a smile on her face. Yet at the same time, the dynamics were really good. There was a good quality, clean, dynamic delivery. If you listen back to it on your own, uh, rewind this and listen back to that if you're a, a listener out there. Um, you're going to hear how well the dynamics were. Certain words were hit really well. They weren't overemphasized. They weren't overhit. That can be a little boy called pukey if it's overly hit. But yet there was just enough of staccato extra something that created that dynamic. And I felt it was musically solid. Uh she stayed within a controlled, again, environment of her alto range or wherever she was aiming for in that case. So overall, I felt that it was a very good read, and there's no doubt she would have made my short list if I was involved. And I'm sure having worked with lots of clients and co-casted projects, um, most of my clients would have been right on the money with that read. It was a good read. Outstanding. Yeah, there is uh, definitely a lot uh, to be said for that. And uh, love the transition from, you know, a little faster pacing to something that, you know, allows the, allows, you know, the voice itself to breathe and, and resonate. So love that contrast. And, uh, you know, with that said, we know that's a contender. Let's, let's hear we if we it. have another. <laughs> <laughs> like many other philosophers who significantly extended our knowledge of nature, Galileo had a remarkable aptitude for inventing instruments designed for philosophical research. To facilitate his practical work, 
we find that in 1599 he had engaged a skilled workman to live in his house and be constantly at hand to try the devices that were forever springing from Galileo's fertile brain. Wow, okay. That was kind of cool, in my own opinion. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think, Anthony? You know, I think it's literally what we just spoke about. Um, it was which were two for two, if you will. Um, literally, um, the same almost feedback. Um, very much a warm ring, uh, very much a good texturing. There was a texture about the voice that felt uh, biographical, documentative, um, talk about the primary uh, narrative styles, fit right into that particular genre. Uh, very much a confident read. Uh, came across like an experienced narrator. Uh, it sounded like somebody who was confident, and you can't have confidence and be competent. So in order to come across competent, to a listener or to a prospect, you have to be confident with what you're reading. That comes from owning the script, rehearsing it numerous times, not just ripping reading. And I felt overall, uh, he was very believable. Uh, it was an honest, warm, authoritative, um, confident, believable read. And so overall, again, uh, that talent would have made my short list for sure if I was in the casting of that project. So, sorry, can you repeat that again? So, in order to be confident, you can't be competent? Yeah, in order to you... be competent, so the consumer believes you know what you're talking about, you have to be confident at what you're yeah, reading. Yeah, that's bars. I love that. <laughs> you're right? I, mean, I teach that now. People look at me like, whoa, I've never heard that. Uh, if you're doing a, let's say you're doing an auto mechanics course online for some vocational college somewhere, and you don't sound like you really know the definition of what an oil filter is or what a plug-in is or what a starter, really. The prospect, the kid or the girl who is studying mechanics, they're going to know if you know what you're talking about or if you're just reading. That's kind of what happens if you don't come across as they are confident with an F mm. at what you're reading. There's no way I'm going to believe you're confident at what you're talking about and vice versa. It. They kind of That's go awesome. hand in hand. Most definitely. And I, I love, uh, you know, how much obviously we've done a lot of episodes around, you know, commercial work and, you know, this type of stuff. And I feel like it does a great job at painting the picture that just because you are have strengths in one area doesn't mean that you need to totally flip the script in order to move to that other area, right? Like this narration and that kind of like almost Attenborough feeling I got from that read is so different than what you're going to experience in a commercial read. But that just shows the difference and the skill set uh, and the range that you have as a voiceover professional. And I think he did a fantastic job at, you know, making that click. Alrighty. So let's go ahead and move on to our next audition. Like many other philosophers who significantly extended our knowledge of nature, Galileo had a remarkable aptitude for inventing instruments designed for philosophical research. To facilitate his practical work, we find that in 1599, he had engaged a skilled workman to live in his house and be constantly at hand to try the devices that were forever springing from Galileo's fertile brain. I heard some enunciation there. <laughs> right? See that? And that's exactly, you should do this for a living, you guys. That's what we like. <laughs> you know, it's exactly what we're talking about. For those of you listening, um, exactly what we're talking about. Clean, um, 
wow, we're what three in a row here. Friendly, uh, modern sounding. That's key compared to the prior auditioner who was much more uh, authoritative and, and sophisticated, if you will, or more 21st century, more uh, Google world, uh, younger, millennia. And he came across um, like a modern, friendlier, but confident read and very clean, very well enunciated, but honest. The key is the conversationalism. Uh, the delivery was very conversational. It sounded like you could trust him. It was an honest read. There wasn't any hidden agenda. I wasn't trying to be the rock star. And like we'll talk about a little bit later um, is, or before we have already, um, is the idea of being honest is not to sound like you're selling a magic potion, but yet not to sound like you're so casual that you're almost testimonial, uh, if that makes sense to anybody listening. There's a key and a fine line between that, uh, being up to be a, a well-trained, well-educated, diverse talent so that you can turn on your casual honest read when you when you need and turn it off and become professional polished like the other guy was so really good well enunciated clean modern sound good work well that was good 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 let's let's move on to the the last one the last one right last yeah, one let's last see if one. we can cap it off with four for four oh, on the four good for side four okay <laughs> <laughs> Like many other philosophers who significantly extended our knowledge of nature, Galileo had a remarkable aptitude for inventing instruments designed for philosophical research. To facilitate his practical work, we find that in 1599, he had engaged a skilled workman to live in his house and be constantly at hand to try the devices that were forever springing from Galileo's fertile brain. Alrighty, let's hear your thoughts here, Anthony. Did we go four for four? You know, another four for four, if you will. And the crowd goes wild again. Um, you know, uh, there was a certain amount of, uh, like the other one had warmth and silky feel. This one was very smooth. Uh, there was a smoothness. It was like yummy dark chocolate. It was just smooth. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a certain amount of warmth that went with that smoothiness, just like the other one. But the, that there's a contrasting difference between them. Um, there's no doubt that totally different styles and sounds, but that was exactly what I've talked about earlier. There was a warmth, there was a confidence, there was an approachability. Um, the ability to be able to be approachable, what we call user-friendly, was there, and it was a very controlled delivery. Um, very much, yep, I'm in charge. Very much, you can trust what I'm saying, very much, all of the above, confident, approachable, warmth, smoothness, um, but yet the delivery did not ramble on. It did not have too long of rest stops. It had enough what we call beat in the business. Comedians know it as timing and beat. And there was a certain amount of controlled delivery, as I said a few times. That is a massive um, trademark of a professional. An attribute of being seen as a top-notch professional talent is being in control, right? It's like a, a NASCAR driver or a uh, whoever. Uh, I don't care if you're a soccer player and you're, you're you're kicking the ball, or if you're a punter, or if you're a tennis player or a bowler. I don't care what you do if it's outside of the voice realm. It's a, and musicians for guitar players and keyboardists. And it's a controlled attack. And the ability to deliver dialogue 
in a controlled pace, a controlled matter of fact tempo, but yet be confident, approachable, and warm is why that one came across. Again, I would put that right in my list of short uh, uh, callback potentials if I needed to do a callback. Really good. Yeah, and I felt like before you talked about confidence, and I, I definitely felt that in this read. Like, like she is, in a friendly way, telling you without doubt exactly what the facts are. And a very friendly and believable and conversational way, but without staggering on that confidence of, you know, it's, of delivering it's very the facts. That, that's exactly what we're picking up here is, you know, when you listen back to all of these collectively uh, and numerous, numerous others, we had a, they were all really, for the most part, it was a pretty tight queue of reads in this audition uh, got submitted. Of, it was a pretty competitive. And the reality is to find some that weren't as constructive as some that were and vice versa was difficult, as you guys know. But the reality is when you more you listen to and the more you go back and you listen and you listen and listen, we call it we call it weeding out the no's in the business. Uh, we may start out with 50 auditions. When we go through, we'll weed out the garbage. In other words, weed out the trash, bad quality, poor quality, echoing, reverb, terrible recording. You can tell they recorded on and a handheld mic or those popping up bees. All that quality is wrong stuff is weeded out. Then we get down to, let's say, the 30. Those 30, we weed down to basically 20 because now those are being judged on the direction given in the project. And if they paid attention to direction, detail, the script, et cetera, then we'll weed it down to basically the 10. And those 10, we listen to over and over and over, sometimes 20, 30 times. And then I pick and the client does who they think are the top, if you will, five to 10, give or take, right? And those are the finalists. Well, once we've listened to them so many times like that, and people don't realize this, that are talent auditioning, they don't typically listen to it one time. Like everybody thinks in the world, it's a myth. They don't. The reality is we listen to the first sample of each just to hear garbage that we can delete, to clean the folder up. Then we come back through and we listen to, okay, now they're in the runner-up list. Okay, now they're in the finalist list. Yes, they're in the final callback list or whatever. And the reality is when we get to that point, prospects in general have a pretty good understanding of the ring. And now they can either decide, no, now that I'm listening, he or she isn't right because of. If they find that he or she is in the final queue, it becomes a tough decision. And sometimes that's what callbacks are for. It isn't a matter of uh, we want to call back people just to call back people. We want to call them back because we want a longer read or another interpretation or we want to hear more from them. Uh, and that is because it's so competitively tight that we want another a listen at some other type of read from them. And that's what happened when I was reviewing these is there was a lot of really good auditions, a lot of really good ones. So, you know, good congrats to all of you out there. Y'all did great. I was about to say, in, in regards to having the tough position of finding critiques in some of these auditions, uh, give you give you hats off there because I can say that for every audition uh, we received on this job, uh, you know, they, they were all quite uh, quite strong. Normally, like you said, there is some weeding out of some, you know, just just pure quality issues. Um, didn't really see much of that here, here today. We, we saw a lot of quality auditions. So, you know, finding those critiques, uh, you know, was tough. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think that's a, a compliment to everybody, uh, you know, who was p played here today. 
Um, you guys all did great, and you know there was a little bit of nitpicking involved, so <laughs> we we had to come up with some critiques for you guys. Um, but we hope you appreciate uh, you know what we were able to find and and the feedback we were able to provide for you. So that means that we must go forward and pick a winning audition. All right, and our. Uh, Anthony, I know that this has probably been a point of contention within yourself over the week. So let's go ahead. Let's get our editor to pop in the drum roll. Sounds great. And the winner I chose here is... Like many other philosophers who significantly extended our knowledge of nature, Galileo had a remarkable aptitude for inventing instruments designed for philosophical research. To facilitate his practical work, we find that in 1599 he had engaged a skilled workman to live in his house and be constantly at hand to try the devices that were forever springing from Galileo's fertile brain. All right, so we're going to wrap up here, Anthony. So how can talent get in touch with you? Well, the best way to reach me uh, is go to vo101.com, vo101.com, and... um, you can pretty much find out information about everything I offer. Uh, I offer online training. Uh, I offer uh, live training uh, at beginners for intermediate, for advanced, for old working dogs who are looking to refresh, uh, resharpen their skills. And a lot of what I teach is um, people don't know what they don't know. You know, and I say that all the time. And if anybody listening has been a student of mine, they know what I mean by that because they hear old Uncle Anthony, Grandpa Anthony <laughs> say that. We don't know what we don't know as talent. And the reality is until we find out what we don't know, then all of a sudden it's like a light bulb goes off. And I find 20-year veterans, 30-year veterans. Uh, uh, my people just posted something on LinkedIn yesterday about how um, a guy was surprised to find out that I teach actually veterans. And he was like, oh, what the heck? So long story short is nice. – um, People don't understand uh, the need to train on dynamics. They don't understand how to train on enunciation, articulation, uh, things like uh, being up the train on working your vocal registers, uh, learning how to work the mic properly, learning how to edit and record properly, learning how to do all of the above, um, time squeezing, registers, the six primary uh, narrative styles, the six primary commercial styles, all the above character work and what have you. So I cover a little bit of everything. My live training plans are all listed on the website. Perfect. It shows the agenda for what we want on both and what we cover on both. My online courses reflect that live plan, but then they can take it uh, online and then opt to have me offer feedback if they choose the online course with feedback. I do demo production, as people know. I do a lot of out-of-the-box type of approach to demos. I'm a very big believer in value-added production value demos um, so that they will sound like they are good quality professional demos, not just a voiceover music, if you get what I'm saying about that as a whole discussion. So a little bit of everything that I do and what I offer can be found at bo101.com. Perfect. Okay. Well, thank you so much for that. And as we wrap up here... Please subscribe to our podcast. If you're looking to find today's script or any others, check out our blog on voices.com slash blog. And for any additional resources from Anthony, feel free to check out his socials. 
We're signing off. I'm Vanessa Bucci, the community manager here at Voices. And I'm Kyle Flynn, the Platinum Account Manager. We'll see you later. See you next month.